0: hello everyone i am so excited today to have a veteran of christian historical fiction with us jane kirkpatrick she has written how many books now have you written 40 this is the 40th 40 (laughs) oh man i knew i was a little behind in reading all your books (laughs) i've got some work to do so jane (laughs) Well, I'm thrilled, thrilled as punch tea, coffee, and hot cocoa to have you here today. Um, And we just found out before we started recording, we have a mutual root in the state of Wisconsin. So I love that. You are a fellow Wisconsinite, even though now you live in the Pacific Northwest. I do. That's fine. I was just out in Oregon and Washington in June. That's a oh. lovely
1: time to come to the
0: northwest sometimes it was-, it was a little chilly although this june it was hot so that's well kind of- and i think we escaped the heat and we got in just the first part of the cool because i was wearing hoodie sweatshirts and uh, right. yeah i was sending pictures back home to some friends who were already in like the high 90s and they were quite jealous of yeah, yeah. sweatshirt <laughs> Oh, fun. So Jane, tell us, in in case there's readers listening who haven't read your books or aren't familiar, tell us just a little bit about um, what you write and then your release that we're talking about today. Well, most
1: of the books are based on the lives of actual historical women um, or some incident that impacted women in in history. And I got got pulled into that sort of route um, or taken to that route because I, I love the biography. But I could often not find anything about the women. I could find things about their husbands, their brothers, their fathers, and their sons, but nothing about the women um, because women weren't noticed. They weren't in the newspaper articles or you know, the mm-hmm. journals. Um, and so I, I was just taken because I wanted to tell what I felt were untold stories mm-hmm. of historical women, and um, and so you know. I found this story I wanted to tell. And my husband said, well, you should just tell it. You know, and if people don't like your version, they can write their own version. And that began my journey um, to to get caught up in the lives of all these different women. So, mm. um, and the current book actually called Beneath the Bending Skies is based on another historical woman from Montana originally, mm-hmm. who had a um, very loving but controlling father. Okay. And who was growing up in the gulches of the gold mines and led this sort of interesting life as a young girl, and um, falls in love with a man who turns out to be her father's best friend, and he does not like that she has. He was younger than her dad, but nevertheless, they were they were colleagues, and um, so he moves her to San Juan Capistrano, and it is part of the story of her journey to find herself mm-hmm. and at the same time as honoring her father, which by faith, she was very, her, her mother had said, you need to take care of him and you need to honor him. Wow. Finding a way to do that and still you know, follow what she felt God's calling for her was, is part of the, part of the struggle of her heart. So that's wow. what this was about.
0: Wow. And it's fascinating to me that that's based off of a real Yes, um, right. ultimately,
1: um, mm-hmm. she marries a man who becomes the Indian agent at the Flathead Reservation near Azola, mm-hmm. Montana, mm-hmm. and served there for 17 years, and, and was just known for great hospitality, learned mm-hmm. the language of the Native people, and uh, my working title was always an open door, oh. because she was always opening her door to everyone, and... Um, but we we went with Beneath the Bending Skies, <laughs> which is actually a line. Clo- she um, she wrote some poetry.
0: Okay. And,
1: and that was a line, you know, The Bending Skies. And I and I grabbed that and said, Beneath the Bending Skies, because it is that kind of a sweeping story. Oh, I love and Montana, it. if you know anything about Montana, oh, yeah. it's big sky country, mm-hmm. so it is an amazing um,
0: landscape. yeah yeah my uh we go out to montana for a couple weeks usually every every summer if we can or every fall and i'm i'm hoping someday to relocate there eventually maybe when i retire but it's beautiful yeah Yeah. and it's so steeped in history Mm -hmm. and there's so much struggle when you go west into the western history Mm -hmm. not that people didn't struggle here in the midwest but there's just a different feeling i think in the western pacific northwest
1: Well, and, you know, the 1840s in Wisconsin, for example, saw lots and lots of um, varieties of immigrants. So, you know, one of the things I loved about um, old world Wisconsin is that that great museum. I loved that as a young woman. And I, I just loved history. I'm so grateful that Oregon has a great historical society because it introduced me to, you can go back and visit communities that used to be in the 1840s um but they were fairly close-knit you know relatively but if you go to the west there's miles and miles and miles and miles between in fact my husband and i when we made our big decision in the 1980s and we moved to what i call rattlesnake and rock ranch um,
0: (laughs) that's a story in itself i guess (laughs) yes
1: it was um we were seven, seven miles from our mailbox and 11 miles from a paved road. And that was still, I mean, that was contemporary life. So, wow. and actually that fed me a lot because I spent a lot of time, you know, we made this big decision and I told my husband, I would give i would give us a year. Okay. And at the end of the year, we'd have to have electricity, we'd have to have run water, you know, or I just wouldn't stay. You know, I'd just, we would go somewhere else. Um, sure. But the more that I spent time there and read about these different women, the more I realized they didn't have that luxury Mm. of knowing it could get better. Um, Mm. And so I, I always am asking in all of the books, I'm asking myself, where did this woman draw her strength from? Uh, What were the rungs of the ladder she climbed when she was in the cellar of sorrow? I like to say, um, climbing towards some sort of light. How did, how did she climb up that ladder? And what were those rungs? So that, that always becomes part of the, part of the plot line or part of the journey story in, in the books.
0: I love that. I love that so much. And it's, yeah, I guess I wouldn't have put that together because as you were talking, I was thinking, Oh, you didn't have electricity, et cetera. So you were basically pioneering and then you're like, but they didn't have the hope that I had. And I'm like, Oh, that's also true. Yeah. like we can even have have
1: the headache of digging a phone line seven miles and doing it twice because it didn't work the first time oh my god that to deal with (laughs) but but you know they had the risk of their crops being wiped out by grasshoppers or or wind and we lost we had planted several acres of watermelon that was part of our initial effort to make a living there and um and we planted, we grew all of them in the little greenhouse, and then we planted all of them by hand, you know, thousands of them.
0: Yeah. And
1: a terrible windstorm came up, and it picked up this lava sand that was really, um, it, it grew things well, but it was like, it was like knives, and it cut them all off. We lost them all. You know, um, and we had another, we had another resource, but if, if it was 100 years before, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Um, so, wow. it, it forced us to sort of think about the things that are basic and things that matter and, um, and to rely on family, uh, family, friends, and faith. This was my, yeah. this was the mantra.
0: The three F's, family, <laughs> friends, <A-F>. and faith. <laughs> Which one are you are going to grab for? <laughs> out,
1: out, out, out. So, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Well, and it's, it's so true. And some things really, you know, yes, circumstances and, and consequences, and you could say the word, threats change over time as far as what can us but there are a lot of similarities yet between today and back then and like even in your book there's kind of the theme of caring for family as we talk about family friends and faith so tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit about why you wove that through this current book
1: um i i just i'm always sort of intrigued about how spending time with these characters can bring insight, brings insight to me personally, um, things I didn't know I was going to, you know, explore. Okay. Um, but but that's what my readers respond to too. They say, you know, I know that happened a hundred years ago, but because I know that was a real woman um, and how she got through that. And in particular, this instance, um, they um, she and her husband had um, seven children and um and so it was, it was the life of you know, raising children and they were in somewhat of a remote area, um, but they also had um, a lot of people around them because it was the agency was quite populated with agriculturists and a doctor and his wife and so on. Um, but she was always worrying about her family who were far away in California. And, right. and her father was not supportive of her marriage. Um, and so she was always carrying this kind of weight of trying to help him see what she could see in her husband. So there was that pressure, mm-hmm. but even more it was when her, her stepmother became ill, should she try to go back? Should she take some of the kids? What, what about, she was needed at the agency. She and her husband were a partner in this wonderful project that they had undertaken. Um, and so it was that constant weighing of do i go there do i stay here and i think that happens a lot today especially because we're not we're not living with three generations in the same house you know we are very true. Our relatives our parents are moved away and mm-hmm. we live in bend oregon now and lots and lots of people have moved here which are families grandparents who are coming to you know, be closer to their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And so there's like those kind of adjustments and change, but if they're not moving there, then there's this distance and how do you bridge that? At that time, that was really hard. You could send some telegrams um, and write letters, but and then eventually get phone service, but they were pretty expensive. You didn't do that very much in the 18... I think there were some in the 1870s, I have to think back. Um, certainly in the 18, by the 1890s they were, but um, but this family, their this story is set primarily around the 1860s to the 1880s. Okay, but yeah, so so that that became a theme of caring for your family, caring for your your um, extended family, and caring for your children, and being there to help um, enable them to grow up and to be the kind of people you hope they'll be and and supporting your helpmate you know if that's you know you've married and that was part of the agreement that you would you know help each other so um, so so that book explores some of the struggle with that Um, and some of the grief that I think comes with that with the reality that, that you can't always fix everything you can't always do it and her mother had kind of given her a Her mother died when she was quite young, and said, "You know, be kind to people, Molly, and you know, and and look after your dad. You've got to look after your dad." And he was he was sort of excessive. I mean, he loved her, but he was very controlling, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, just um, and he was he traveled a lot for his business. He was a freighter. He would bring supplies into the mining towns, and sometimes he was gone for a year at a time. Oh wow! She and her stepmom grew very close and then there were some half siblings um and so her stepmom knew what her life was like and then her dad would come home and go no you can't do that no that's not acceptable what you went to dances no you know and so sure, sure. yeah yeah so there was that tension um right. and and again she's constantly sort of thinking about the the, the um not the command really but the death the deathbed wish of a mother. look after your dad and and how do you sort that out when your dad is really being unreasonable? So a
0: tough one. That's yeah. a real tough one. <laughs> yeah, well, let's exactly. t- let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, what I'd like to pose is the question, What can we learn today from the past, and how have things changed when you look at the family structure and caring for each other? and we we talked about, Uh, Or you mentioned that, you know, obviously we're not living three generations in the same home anymore, but I still think there's a lot of um, insight and wisdom to learn from the past. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we can talk about that. Okay. Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Revel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. All right, we are back here at Madlit News with Jane Kirkpatrick, and we are talking about her current release, Beneath the Bending Skies. And one of the things we were talking about just before the break was family and caring for family and how that is woven through this novel. And um, I was getting ready to ask you, Jane, a little bit how you feel or have seen in your studies that caring for family and that devotion, what can we take from the past and apply today or, or how has it changed?
1: I think there are a number of things. Um, One of the things I think about is because I, I'm, I believe that the way in which many of the early pioneers um, survived was, we were talking earlier about family, friends, and faith. Um, So, and I want to start with faith because a lot of Three generation families, Um, and that was the case with Molly. She and I don't think I've even mentioned my character's name yet, but Molly. Mm -hmm. um, They were a very um, devout Catholic family. They were Irish Catholic, and um, and so part of what her journey was um, is she would uh, she would go and talk to the sisters and at the convent in Los Angeles when they were there or in Helena, and she would talk to the priests um, and. And listen to their guidance about um, growing up and about solving problems. Mm-hmm. And at the time, people were quite um, engaged with families. So the priests or pastors uh, would be quite engaged with a family. They would know their parishioners, and you know that happens here as you know in our time as well. But mm-hmm. sometimes people have a hard time um, going to a counselor or going to seeing their um, faith, um, leader as someone that could also be a great listener and and could solve problems. Mm. Um, And I think that, so that doesn't happen as much, but I think it did with, particularly with devout people were very, um, even though they might not see some of them because they were often itinerant pastors. Right. Right. So, um, families also develop devotional practices. Okay. And your household and I think that can happen today. I think that's one of the ways that we can build family bonds. Um, make it okay to say, well, I don't really get that part of the Bible, or I don't really get that, yeah. you know, with that person's perspective, and make it a safe place mm-hmm. for children to actually question and think things out. With extended families, everybody so far, I mean, that one, it is one of the advantages of Zoom. True. And, um, <laughs> you know, in other ways that can talk to each other you you could have a you know once a week you could have a extended family devotion or you could have extended family um discussion um we all watch the same once a year in california and so we're able to actually um zero in for the church service and so we feel like we're still part of that church family And that has been a real gift for us. Um, And so there's, you can do things like that, which help the family um, Mm -hmm. stay close together. Mm -hmm. But I'm, um, I also think the stories, you know, there's that section in Exodus where it said that when um, the leaders got close to the promised land, they, after 40 years of wandering, the Israelites, the leaders made them sit down and tell all the stories. Remember, there's a mm-hmm. verse about putting the band across your head, tell all the stories. Right. And I love that section because they were about to go into the promised land, but they made them sit down and talk about all the things that had happened, mm-hmm. all the thing, ways that God had served them. And, um, and I think they did that not because they, they, they understood not only that that's how we transfer culture, it's why we tell the same stories at weddings or tell the same stories at funerals. you know we that's how we transfer our culture from one one to the other. Um, but they I also think that those leaders understood that until we understand the stories in our own life, then we're destined to wander even though we're close to a promised land. Mm. And so ways that families can help support, those family stories. I mean listening to your while your parents are still there. Um, and I, I know that kids will roll their eyes because we always did like, oh grandpa's <laughs> telling that same story. You know, no, but at the, the same, same time, time uh, Yes. But I think there are there are, you know, for me at least as a writer, I'm I love it if I can interview descendants and get the family stories because they've often taken me in directions I never would have gone. Right. Um, and told me something about that family or that woman in particular. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a reason there's this little snippet that that particular family member remembered. And so I think it's a, that's a really important part of a family caring is that we listen to those stories. Yeah, I think the stories are sort of like maps that when we go to a new place, we get a map out of some kind and we put it in Google, because it helps us um, get from point A to point B. Mm. But it also reduces the fear and anxiety of the unknown. Mm. And so family stories are some of the ways that we can help reduce the fear and anxiety. I um, I worked for 17 years at, the, um, at an Indian reservation here in Oregon, in early childhood and mental health. And in that, in, in that culture, there was a practice that you only certain people could tell certain stories. And those stories uh, were told only when there was snow on the ground. So it was when, in the winter, those stories would be told. Mm. But, but it was okay for other people to tell stories, other elders, other times of the year. And so I put together with, my, um, with our staff, a program in which we asked the elders to tell the story of the time when they were strong. Mm. And, um, and we had food and it was always hot. So we had <laughs> air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. So yep. we would come in with their kids and their families. And we'd ask certain elders to come and tell that story of when they were strong. And that it was absolutely delightful. People, the children and grandchildren heard grandma talk about the when they got lost near Mount Hood and how they made their way after they got lost. Um, somebody else told the first time they drove a car on the reservation and they got to the gate and they, they pulled the reins, they pulled the steering wheel back like, whoa, and it, <laughs> the steering wheel came off and they went through the gate. You know, and, and the kids loved the story, but it was also a great story of how, okay, that was a mistake, that didn't work, but you know what, it's okay. Yeah, and it gave them, they gave them a way to get from here to there, and it gave them a way to reduce the fear and anxiety, what they'll be facing when they go to unknown or new play, or new things, when they go away to, to school for the first time, um, or go away to college, and they leave the reservation. So I think that those stories um, are great ways to tell, to help families, you know, create a culture that says resilience or that says, um, yes, there will be challenges and, and things are not gonna go just the way you want. But look at, you come from a long line of mm-hmm. really solid people. I call them yeah. sturdy stock. Oh, I love it. And to find that, find that sturdy stock. So I, I think that's what these stories, um, you, you read about how Molly, you know, the struggle with um, her husband was a newspaper editor and an owner of a newspaper. And part of the story of Montana and all Western states is fire. Mm-hmm. And he lost that three times. Um, he lost his business because of fire. Yeah. And and the last time he had actually gotten insurance because that would be like, okay, let's <laughs> they have insurance now. and And the company went bankrupt the day before they made their claim, like things happen. And Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you rise up to the next level? Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's another way I think that families together and and reading about how these families survived can, um, Mm -hmm. can help. I, you know, what I loved about this woman's life um, is that, um, that they kept coming back. There were many tragedies, you know, and I couldn't even tell them all because readers would start to go oh I can't take it
0: oh <laughs> my goodness oh um, no <laughs>
1: but but I saw so I was selective yeah but each instance they came together and they and they with their faith and mm-hmm. even to the point of when um, her father broke up the engagement okay um, And she's you know he wanted her to become a teacher and stay at home and help support the family and, you know, that happens still with families, particularly, I think, uh, farm families. And, yeah. and I grew up in a dairy mm-hmm. and, and I know my brother had a lot more pressure to stay and and um, continue the dairy. Right. And, and it was a struggle because that wasn't that wasn't his strength. That wasn't what he wanted to do. Yeah. And and, and that was painful for for our family to realize, you know, he has he, he needs his life. And I was privileged because I was a girl. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have that same pressure, even though I think I could have run the farm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I didn't want to do it either. It was a lot of work. As oh, as yeah. No, it's like it's a 24 seven. Yep.
0: There's no vacation uh, from a farm. <laughs> exactly. So.
1: So I I that's another area where I think stories that from the past can help open doors for us in, in the present mm-hmm. uh, with in family, and then there's friends and how, you know, how do people, um, and she, you know, Molly had some really good friends, um, but she also came to understand that she was, um, she was very shy and very introverted, and um, her husband was the outgoing one, Mm -hmm. but before that happened, it was hard for her, and she would, um, she would find ways to be more social, and and one of the ways she found is that she loved fairy tales, and yeah. she loved um, standing up in front of a group and exclaiming. You know, she would memorize like Black Hawk speech. She memorized that, okay. and she memorized Shakespeare sonnets. Mm-hmm. And when she and her stepmom ran a boarding house while her dad was traveling, um, she would give speeches after oh. um, after dinner or after yeah. supper, and. And she got a lot of gratification from that, but she also got to not be herself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And and her father eventually, um, he thought that was great for a while. He thought he, and she was quite a beautiful young woman. She had kind of reddish hair, very long, could sit on it.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) Um,
1: This, you know, thick, you know, she was a lovely Irish lass, Mm -hmm. very beautiful young woman. And But then some of the um, boarders started complimenting her and her father heard that. And so then it was like, no. Nope, you're, you're done. I you <laughs> do that. And, and so she um, she found that her, her friend selection would be very selective. She mm-hmm. wouldn't have necessarily a lot of close friends. Her sister, her half-sister would be a close friend. Um, her stepmother was her close friend. Um, and then eventually the man she married was her close friend. so um, it, it it was a way for her to discover that she couldn't always step back and pretend to be someone else right that she had to just accept who she was and that God had called her to do something and one of the reasons I wanted to write this book is because to me it was a happy story it was a, it was yes, it had lots of trials but it had a happy story and um, her life was shaped by the challenges and how she came through them and my my hope is that as a reader reads this book that that's what they'll see too that you right. know what she did that i have some of those qualities too i i can come back i'm i'm more resilient than i think i am and i do believe that god is you know directing me in this way even right. though that's not what my dad you know, my mom thinks is the best for me, mm-hmm. but I think it is. And I'm, you know, I've, I've consulted with my religious, you know, people I've, I've listened to, you know, friends, I've listened to family members, but I'm, I'm going to step out on this. I, I called it um, when we left to our jobs and went to rattlesnake and rock ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, I called it stepping out on a cloud of faith, believing mm-hmm. I wouldn't fall through. Oh. So, even though my parents were like, <laughs> horrified although they didn't tell me that initially they were like well it's going to be a lot of work yeah i was so grateful that they didn't go into details about right. clarity, sagebrush and all this stuff But <laughs> I a couple of years later from my aunt who said they came back to visit and said you're not going to believe what those kids have done <laughs> <laughs> so they've put their jobs and they've gone up there and they've done all this so but you know that's when i started writing that was my whole Life changed as a result of trusting, stepping out on that cloud of faith and believing it right. would fall through.
0: Well, and I think that is the beauty of faith and friends and family as you do stand on not just faith, but a legacy that's been set out before you, like you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier and drawing from the strength and the stories of other people. So, um, and I think that's one reason that makes your story so relevant to readers as well, is it's a continuation of, of that really.
1: I I hope that that's it. I I mean, I hope that Mm -hmm. I'm just delighted when people tell me that they've been reading all my books so that they love them. I'm just, I I feel really privileged that I've had um, the time to write these stories that I had family support so I could do yep. that yep. and uh, and also that um, that people have taken them away and some people have said you know we got rid of everything but we couldn't get rid of your books we just had to keep them <laughs> and now that I'm packing things up and moving I really yep. understand how critical that is what a <laughs> what a um, what a gift Yes, to hang on to those to read them one more time. So yeah,
0: ultimate compliment. Well, Jane, this was so great to sit and talk about faith and legacy and history and the people that have gone before and and paved the way. And um, I'm sure readers will love seeing and reading your book. And um, how can they find you on the internet? If they want Okay, to follow you. well, um, <laughs> my website
1: is jkbooks, B-O-O-K-S dot com,
0: and I have my
1: newsletter, you know, archive there, um, And but you can sign up for it, it's called Story Sparks, it comes out once a month, and okay. you can sign up for that, um, I'm on Facebook, both as a, just a regular, my husband and I are, <laughs> I, I'm never quite good about those pages, um, but I have an author page, it's just author Jane Kirkpatrick, and I try to keep up you know, post what's happening and things that are happening in my writing life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, they do spill over like that we're going
0: to be getting a new dog and things
1: like that. Of course, you have to share uh, that. (laughs) That's Um, the fun
0: stuff readers love to hear about is all those fur babies and pets. Exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And I have a Twitter account, but I have to confess, I just am not very active on Twitter, but um, I am, I, I will respond to, you know, comments that people leave or whatever. And I and I love hearing from readers and how yeah. the story might have affected them and, and awesome. what awesome. they care about. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, great.
0: Well, this was a joy and hopefully readers will rush out now to get your book. And yeah. um, it's been a pleasure and let's do this again sometime. I would, del- I would be delighted.
1: Thank you so <laughs> much. And it's great to have a little Wisconsin connection. Right, right
0: i'll have to send you a care package of cheese oh yeah, exactly i can put it with my little green bay packer there you go yes (laughs) yes go pack go we had to get that in here didn't we all right jane thank you so much for joining us
1: my pleasure thanks for having me
0: Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Mad Lit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at JamieWrightbooks.com.